What's up, y'all? It is I, Michael Hunter, at Pecone36. This is episode number 42 of the ACC Basketball Report. It is Thursday evening. I am wrapping up watching the Notre Dame game from last night, one in which they lost to Radford. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit in the podcast today. And, uh, you know, just want to say, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for all you guys. The numbers are creeping up. And, you know, we got new subscribers. <clears throat> Need some new reviews though. Had the same eight reviews sitting on this on my page forever for months. So go give me five stars. Get that rating up. Leave me a cool review. Let me know how you guys are liking the show. Um, if you don't like the show, just don't listen. I don't need to know how much you don't like the show. But um, yeah, uh, you know, loving loving doing the show. Loving to have games to talk about. Went to my first UNC game the other night. Had a great time with a buddy of mine. And, uh, you know, like, rate, review, share, retweet the podcast, get the word out. I appreciate all you guys. Today I got a loaded show for you, uh, talking about some transfers, giving my thoughts on the ridiculous Landers Nolly situation at Virginia Tech, a uh, couple of uh, big time A list players that got injured this week. Going to talk about that a little bit. A uh, little bit of recruiting news. Um, and just, you know, given my general thoughts with rants, raves, going off on tangents that don't really have anything to do with anything. But uh, I'm not going to waste your time doing this intro anymore. I hope you guys enjoy. I will see you again on Sunday. ACCBasketballReport.com for additional content. Slap the sign for additional content regarding Notre Dame. Uh, Facebook, ACCBasketballReport.com is, or ACCBasketballReport on Facebook if you do that kind of thing. I don't put a whole lot of additional stuff up on Facebook, but everything I post automatically goes to Facebook. So if you still do the Facebook thing, that's where you can find that shit. But uh, everything else, here it is. This is episode number 42. I am Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report. Here we are back. It is Thursday evening. This is the ACC Basketball Report. I am Michael Hunter. Thanks for joining me this this evening. Um, wanted to jump on to a midweek show. Didn't get to it last night. Wanted to uh, wanted to kind of absorb what I saw last night with uh, a couple bad losses by some teams in the conference, um, ACC and Boston College, obviously. I think one of those losses wasn't as bad as maybe we're making it out to be, and I'm going to touch on that tonight. Uh, before I get into some game recaps, just wanted to get with you guys on a few a few notes that I have. Um, Georgia Tech center James Banks, who was a transfer from Texas, uh, was deemed eligible immediately before the Tennessee game on Tuesday night, so he hopped the plane to Knoxville and went out. I think he played 17 minutes, had five, five points, seven boards, and a block. Uh, this is a kid that was continually recruited over. Um, at Texas, um, and you know he's an Atlanta kid. Atlanta went after him. Uh, I'm sorry, Georgia Tech went after him pretty hard out of high school, and wasn't able to land the commitment. But now he's back home. I think he adds uh, certainly a defensive 
uh, upgrade at the center position. Not so much offensively, I don't think, but as far as naturally talented players, he's he's now probably the number one guy for for G Tech at the pivot point, the pivot position. Um, I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make this year. Personally, I would have probably preferred that he sit this year and come back next year with two years of eligibility. I think next year, when you have Alvarado and you have Michael DeVoe and you're going to have Shambari Phillips, you know, I think a year older, Curtis Haywood especially, uh, you know, a year older, I think those guys, I think next year would have been a great year to have Banks and then the year after. Now, they still have him next year. He's a, he's a you know, a, a two-year kid. So it doesn't hurt all that much, but it just means that uh, G-Tech has to step up their recruiting efforts um, very quickly, and you know they'll have to they'll have to replace Banks maybe a year earlier than expected. Uh, moving on to Virginia Tech and Landers Nolly, this story pisses me off. Um, you know, if you haven't been paying attention, Landers Nolly has been he's a he's a top sixty ish, top seventy five ish player uh, in the two thousand and eighteen class at Virginia Tech. Six seven kid, really good shooter. You throw him in that short corner, he can really stroke it from out there. He was. Um, he's out of North Carolina. He played with Houston's Nate Hinton in high school or an AU on team loaded. And he, he's just a really good player. Uh, originally committed to Georgia and then decommitted on like a day later and went, and went to Virginia tech. You know, the NCAA is reviewing quote unquote, his eligibility because his ACT scores from high school don't, aren't consistent with his performance as a student over his four years in high school. Now, somebody uh, alerted me to a video. There's actually a video out there of Nolly um, talking about how kind of how proud he is and how, how, how hard he worked to do well on that standardized test. You know, wh- whether, you know, whether it holds water or not, I mean, the NCAA doesn't have I like to stand on here. Now, what's going to happen is apparently Nolly is going to retake the ACT, and that will conclude that to, to determine his eligibility. This is a story, by the way, uh, by Mark Berman at uh, Roanoke.com, if you guys want to go to that site and check it out. You know, and like I said, NCAA says that his AC, ACT score doesn't jive with his historical performance as a student, so therefore he's going to retake the ACT to basically prove to the NCAA that what? He didn't have somebody stand in for him to take his ACT. I mean, were his grades good enough to get him into college? If the answer is yes, then what the fuck is the big deal? What's the point? Uh, you know, eh, with all the shit that's going on right now, we're worried about a standardized test score to get these kids eligible. Give me a give me a break. I mean, this is the same NCAA that cleared Marvin Bagley the third in like eight days after he attended five high schools, played for an AAU team out in Tennessee when he lives in California, and his dad gets a seven hundred thousand dollar endowment to run a Nike AAU program, and then he goes to a Nike school. But that's okay. That's okay. We got we got through all that stuff in eight days. But this kid's ACT score that's a pretty big deal. So it's just another shining example. Of of why of why the NCAA has the reputation that they have. Also, with the James Banks thing, apparently they're waiting on a year of residency in Atlanta or in Georgia or something. I I caught the tail end of it Tuesday night, but he he's an Atlanta kid. He lived in Atlanta for the first 17, 18 years of his life. You think he's sleeping in a dishwasher box outside McCamish Pavilion? No, he's got family there. He wanted to go home, be next to his family after he went to a school that continually recruited over him. 
You know, at some at some point, this is the same NCAA that just recently suspended another kid for playing in a fucking charity tournament again. Second year in a row they've done that. At some point, they have to figure it out, right? Maybe they just don't care. Maybe Mark Emmert just does not care how continually inept he looks at almost any decision he makes. Now, that could be my prejudices against the NCAA. Maybe I'm always looking for the stupidity in all their rulings. But some of this stuff is easy, guys. I mean, you're, you're, you're mind-fucking it here. You're really overthinking it. It's just ridiculous. Um, getting out of that, uh, some some potentially bad things happened this week that, that turned out not to be so bad. Markel Johnson took a hard screen in the UNC Asheville game. Uh, it was released that he, by Pack Pride that he did not have a concussion. Uh, he played four minutes in that game, sat on the bench the rest of the game. You know, North Carolina State still won by 50. They didn't need him, so that was probably precautionary. I haven't seen anything come out today. But, you know, they have they have guard depth uh, at, at NC State. The, um, you know, certainly Beverly can play the point. Actually, C.J. Bryce played the point uh, a little bit as well. And then they have Blake Harris, the transfer from Missouri, who uh, who played the point a little bit as well. And he's he's been pretty good early. More news coming out of NC State this year, or this week, is Ian Steer was announced to be unavailable. I, I talked about this Sunday. Um, before their game earlier this week. Nobody knew why. And then all of a sudden he transfers. Okay, the kid is a he's a you know a top 100 kid. Originally uh, went to Creighton, played the first game at NC State, was unavailable for the second game, and now he's transferring. I, I don't know what the hell happened there. I don't know if he's, you know, if he's not getting along with his teammates or, or Keats turned out to be somebody that, I, I don't know what's going on here. Um, but this thins out an already really thin front court for NC State. You know, Manny Bates is injured. I think Wyatt Walker's looked pretty good early, but NC State hasn't played anybody, so you can't really draw too many conclusions there. This is just a really um, interesting uh, situation, and, you know, I, I'd love to hear what actually happened, but, you know, Ian Steer's a talented kid. Now he's he's played one game in college, and he's already decommitted from two different universities. I mean, you could <laughs> you can conclude whatever you want from that. Maybe he's homesick. I don't know. Um, it, it's it's hard telling. It'll be interesting to see where he heads up, uh, where he ends up. He obviously won't end up in the ACC because then he'd have to sit two years. So he's I, I would say he ends up in the Midwest somewhere. Look at the Big Ten schools. Is that's I don't know. I just got a gut feeling on that. Maybe maybe not. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see where he goes. Somebody's going to get a good player, but I'm not sure if his uh, if his head's in it. Uh, another injury this week, Cam Reddish. I uh, got a little nicked up yesterday in the Eastern Michigan game. Uh, didn't start the second half, didn't play in the second half. Both he and Markel Johnson, those injuries aren't considered to be serious. I don't think they're going to miss any elongated time. You know, Reddish, you know, he's he's kind of in the shadows lately because of what Zion Williamson continues to do on the basketball court, which is simply amazing. Um but he had, you know, earlier this week he had a record seven triples in a game. You know, he's he's an NBA caliber shooter, um, and he's probably their third best player. This is fucking unreal. Um, I did not vote for Duke at the number one spot this week in the rockin' top 25 poll that I'm involved with, some, with some other independents. And my reasoning behind that is simple. I had Kansas as number one in the preseason for a reason. Kansas has a win over another top 10 school, and Kansas has not lost a game. Therefore, I do not think it is necessary for me to remove them from the number one spot. Uh, I did have Duke at number two, 
And, you know, if you want to see that poll, it comes out Saturday, 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, You know, I'll tell you, our our top five is the same as it was last week. It is Kansas, Duke, Virginia. uh, I'm sorry, Kansas, Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia, UNC is our top five. It was the same as last week. So, no, I'm sorry, Duke is number one. Jesus Christ. Okay, Duke is one because people flipped on Kansas. Okay, Duke is one, Kansas is two, Gonzaga is three, Virginia is four, UNC is five. That is what we came up with today when we had our vote. So look for that on Saturday um, so you guys can see how that all turned out. And last little bit of news before I get into the game reviews uh, from Sunday to Wednesday is Chandler Lawson has chosen Oregon over Georgia Tech and Ole Miss. Uh, you know, I, I wrote about it the other, yesterday. GTEC is now 0 for 8 as far as kids who have made a decision that they've had on campus so far that have signed in the early signing period. Um, 0 for 8 on their top part prospects, pro, targets, top targets. Uh, Jameer Chaplin decided to go to South Florida. Chris Dunn decided to go to Temple. Not Chris Dunn, Damian Dunn. Damian Dunn decided to go to Temple. Orlando Robinson decided to stay home and go to Fresno State. You know, it, some of this is ge- geographical, but uh, you got you to gotta beat out Fresno State. You know, you got to beat out South Florida, who was coached by former Yellow Jackets. Great. Brian Gregory. You got to beat Brian Gregory on the recruiting trail. 100% of the time, you have to beat Brian Gregory, especially for Georgia kids, especially for Atlanta kids. You know, I wouldn't mind if you went to Georgia State. You know, everybody loves Ron Hunter, Coach Chair, as Dan Lebertard calls him. Jesus Christ, you're losing kids to South Florida. I mean, at what point does the misery end for Georgia Tech fans? Go to the Atlantic Sun. God damn. You know, just drop a bag. Somebody. Somebody do something. Christ, haven't been to the haven't been to the tournament since when? 2010? Ugh. Got, you know, great facilities, great city, um, a hell of a campus. And just can't get it done on the recruiting trail. And, and I don't know. I try to not let my bias show through for you guys, but goddamn, it's hard to be a Georgia Tech fan. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get into some games. Uh, we'll start with the Sunday games. Uh, George Washington, Virginia. Eh. I, I watched the first half, 42-17 to 17 at the half. You know, UVA goes out. They, wins the, they win the rebounding battle. They turn George Washington over, and they made their free throws. Okay. Virginia wins. That's a it's a pretty simple, uh, pretty simple. Um, what do you call it? Recipe, I guess. You know they shut down uh, Justin Missoula, who is a good player for GW. GW falls to zero and three. Obviously, Virginia's two and zero. It's just difficult to go into Charlottesville and, and beat Virginia for an out of conference school. It doesn't happen very often. This team, you know, uh, Guy Jerome combined to go eight four. 8 for 13 from deep. Okay, both of them get 20. Okay, 18 assists. They only turn the ball over three times. If you only turn the ball over three times, or if you only turn Virginia over three times, you're not going to beat them, ever. Ever. I don't give a shit how many possessions they have. If they only get three live ball turnovers, there's no way you're going to beat them. At home, fuck. Uh, Florida State at Tulane, I did not watch this game. Um, I should have, though, because it ended up being a pretty good game, and I still might jump on the ESPN uh, app later on and watch it. Florida State actually went to New Orleans to play this game, which is pretty impressive. Um, 
Tulane was this was uh, the season opener for them. Florida State does get the win, eighty to sixty nine. Uh, I don't know if I said the game score from the last one. Virginia actually beat George W. Uh, GW seventy six fifty seven. So GW did hang with them and actually outscored them in the second half in that game. But you know it was it was over at halftime. Uh, On to the Florida State game. Trent Forrest is has become the player that I thought he would be in the preseason. Thirteen points, seven rebounds, five assists, three steals, two blocks. Only two turnovers, played 33 minutes. You know, he's a guy who is not a great shooter, but still impacts the game in a positive way. And doing that from the point guard spot, he's just, he's a load to handle. He's got size, he's got quicks, and he plays phenomenal on the ball defense. Uh, MJ Walker with another rough game, two for nine, one for five from, I'm sorry, one for four from deep. Only five points, four rebounds. You know, in their opening in their opening night win at Florida, he looked fantastic in like the first seven minutes of the game, and ever since then, just hasn't looked great. And um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how MJ Walker rebounds. He was uh, one of the one of the lead guys for Breakout Player of the Year for me, and and hasn't played as well as I thought. I think he'll come out of it. He there might still be some growing pains here. But, uh, but I think he'll get there. Terrence Mann also logged a double-double in this game. Uh, Florida State had an offensive rebounding percentage of almost 36%. They had 10 offensive rebounds over the course of the night. And, you know, Tulane kept it close. But, uh, you know, end of the day, they just didn't hit enough threes, didn't rebound the ball very well. I like this Florida State team, but I don't know if I like them as much as everybody else does. It'll, it'll be interesting to see where they go. It, it's difficult for me to pick them when they don't have Kofor. The sooner Kofor gets back, the better. Um, you know, that, that opening night win against Florida, they amped up. Um, you know, they've got a skin in that game. That's a that's an in-state rivalry. And they go to Tulane, and, yeah, you know, they, they let you know they, they let the green wave hang around a little bit. I, I should watch more of the game, but right now I, I'm kind of I'm just holding Florida State. I'm not selling, just holding. Um, somebody who I am selling, <laughs> and it didn't take long. Um, going into the season, I was higher on Boston College than a lot of people, and I think I'm selling now. I, I think I just don't think it's there. Um, this was another Sunday game. Uh, St. Uh, St. Francis from New York comes to Boston College. St. Francis actually hangs with Boston College and actually beating them for a good part of this game. Boston College finally pulls away late. Um, you know, Jalen Jordan uh, was was tremendously impressive to me. Twenty two points, eight rebounds. You know, just Boston College just played like shit. Uh, Kai Bowman eventually fouled out. He went eight for eighteen. Um, they go five for twenty from deep as a team. Turn the ball over thirteen times. Only had nine assists on the day. You know, it's like they have a lot of shooters, but they don't have anybody to put people in a position to win. This Winston Tabs kid, the freshman. If you thought coming in the season that Jairus Hamilton was the best uh, freshman they had coming in, and if you go by stars, you would be correct. You know, like I've said before, stars get coaches fired. And yes, I did steal that from last chance. You stars get coaches fired. This Winston Tabs kid. You know, the, the Boston College insiders were big on him in the preseason. He played well in the exhibition game. He plays 37 minutes, you know, second only to Jordan Chapman in this game. Goes 5 for 11. Uh, he only shot 1 for 4 from deep. But, you know, 15 points, couple rebounds, couple assists. He's a good player. Only one turnover, which for a freshman in 37 minutes, that's insane. 
he looks like a good player. He looks like another one of these players that Jim Christian gets under the under the radar and uh, and and makes into a star. You know, Jordan Robinson, uh, Kai Bowman. The guy just knows how to coach guards on the offensive end of the basketball court. And this Tabs kid looks like he's going to be the next big thing uh, in Chestnut Hill. Now, does that mean that, that Boston College is going to be a tournament team? No. But it means they're going to have another good guard that potentially allows them to cover point spreads, I guess. I guess if you're going to look at that as a win. But this Boston College team has not looked great. You know, I'm going to touch more on them in just a second. We're going to get to last night's game here in just a minute. Uh, Duke and Army, 94 for Duke, 72 for Army. The point spread in this game was 40 at tip. And you knew that Coach K was not going to embarrass Army like that. Not on a day where you have the Brigadier General in the in the, in the the announcer's box. Not on a day where you have all these soldiers on site. Coach K was never going to embarrass Army like that. That was an easy bet. Um, and, and this game was actually really close. It was only eight point game at half. And I believe they kept it six, seven, pretty much all the way till maybe six or seven minutes left in the second. And <clears throat> army looked good. They really did. Um, Zion had like three blocks on two defensive possessions at one point in the second half. It was, it was incredible. This is the game that, uh, Reddish also had seven triples. So, I, I, I thought that I, I don't think it really speaks to Duke as far as them only beating Army by 22. I think that was probably planned all along. They just didn't want to embarrass them on on Veterans Day. Uh, you know, Barrett, uh, Williamson, Reddish go for 75 in this game. <laughs> um, to watch Zion Williamson play basketball is is, is incredible, and I'm not going to take back everything I said before the season started, but. Maybe the kid just doesn't need to be a shooter. You don't need to be a shooter when you're more athletic than everybody and just go get it whenever you want. I did see a story today that uh, LSU football actually offered Zion um, uh, a football scholarship to be tight end, which, can you imagine that kid on the football field playing tight end? Oh, my gosh. That would be incredible. He would, he, he'd be the best tight end ever. And then I saw somebody say, I'd like to see him play D-end. And holy shit. Yeah. Uh, just to watch Zion come off the edge and, and kill the quarterback, you know, 6'6", 280, and just full steam ahead. Holy fuck. You, you see, how many quarterbacks would cry? Like Derek Carr, he'd, he'd cry multiple times in the same game if you had to face that. Uh, one more note on the Duke Army game. Uh, Duke actually held Army to seven free throws over the course of the game, which is incredible. Uh, I can't remember how many threes Army hit, though. How many threes did they have? Hit 12 triples, 12 for 31 in this game. I, like I said, Army played well. I mean, hell, stayed with Duke almost the whole game. Uh, moving into, what's, what's this? This is a Monday, yeah, Monday night game. I went to this game. It's actually uh, my first game at the Dean Dome, Monday night, UNC Stanford. UNC wins 90 to 72. My guy, shout out to, to T Little, was actually in the house. Um, I had my buddy Brian with me. He's got two young kids. You know, I had to work the next day. And uh, traffic in Chapel Hill is crazy, so I had to get Bry home. Uh, sucks because I've never actually met T in person. But uh, shout out to T if you're listening. We're gonna we're gonna get together for for a beer, something some night. I had a good time. I got seats through the, my company. Um, you know, I can't I can't say no to free tickets. Not to Chapel Hill game. Uh, this game, it, it it just wasn't. I mean, you could tell during warmups. Um, the kids for UNC were amped. I thought. 
they're just out there goofing, having a good time. Um, Nasir Little put a put a ball between his legs and with a windmill dunk and warm ups. It it looked like he wasn't even fucking trying. He's just out there goofing off, screwing around. Adds, uh, let's see if this works. Bam. And, you know, nobody's watching except me because I like watch warm-ups. I have a theory that in warm-ups, if you see a kid miss a ton of jumpers in warm-ups, he's going to be fucking awesome in the game. And if you see a kid come out and just drain triples, he's going to suck. And as, what was funny was, uh, what's his name? Isaac White, I think, for uh, for Stanford. Okay. he. Uh, I'm watching him warm up after UNC goes in the locker room with about, I don't know, 10 minutes to go before the game and this kid just wanders down to the other end of the court and he's out there shooting i know he hit 10 triples in a row hit i mean just nothing nothing but twine and they get in the game he doesn't even play plays like three minutes something like that uh (laughs) that's just always the way it goes uh some notes from the game carolina shoots 53 and a half percent effective field goal percentage grabbed 30 and a half percent of their offensive rebounds i was impressed by this uh kesey at paula uh kid from stanford played 32 minutes had 16 and 9 you know against one of the best front courts in the acc you know cam johnson was an assassin in this game um luke mank did his thing 16 and 8 kenny williams again just making Plays on the defensive end, I thought. You know, this this Kobe White kid, let's talk about this kid for a second. He's he's not putting up Joel Berry numbers, okay? And for some people, that may be a problem. Hold on. <clears throat> Let me tell you how this kid plays. Because <clears throat> you might miss it on TV when they're looking at the announcers, or they're looking at the crowd, or they're looking at the opposing player who just scored the ball, whatever. When you watch this kid play in person, it's incredible. No matter what happens, he may have just got baked, okay, and they on a, on a blow by, and he gets roasted, and the kid lays it in, okay. He's six feet deep on the court. He gets the ball from whoever's taking it out, and that kid is across half court, going full steam right at the rim. By the time the shot clock hits thirty-two, by the time you turn around, he's already on top of you, and he might not know where he's going, but he's going there in a hurry, and he's gonna make something happen on the fly. And it is, it's a sight to see. <clears throat> it's its one thing to see it on TV, I think. It's another to see it in a game. The way he ran that ball uh, right down Stanford's throat at some at times, you put him on their heels and you can't keep up with this kid. He's just too fast. And, you know, if he put his hair in braids or cut his hair, he'd probably be four or five miles an hour faster, but it doesn't even need to be. He's already faster than everybody else on the court. It is really interesting to watch how he plays the game of basketball and how he puts defenders on their heels before they even know he's there. And I don't know if he always has any idea what he's going to do when he gets to where he's going, but right now it seems to work against some of these lesser teams. He's really fun to watch play the game of basketball. And another kid that I really like is this, and I've talked about him actually in the Harold Littlest uh, episode, is this Rashawn Black kid. Uh, Played 15 minutes the other night, went four for four, um, eight points, Two steals, two uh, an assist, two rebounds. The kid can almost touch the floor while he's standing straight up and down. His arms are so long, and he uh, he got in he got into the lane and threw up a floater or something the other night. And I just looked at my buddy Brian. And I said, "How do you stop that? I mean, the release point is 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 eight and a half feet in the air. I mean, he and he's moving. He he's long. He's athletic. He can handle the ball. He's active on defense. He'll get on the floor. This kid is really good. He only plays fifteen minutes a game. 
you know, he's uh, he's almost like a gadget player. You know what I mean? Like a Cordero Patterson for the for the Patriots or uh, Tyreek Hill for the Chiefs. He's just one of those freaks that has um, physical gifts that allow him to do special things on the basketball court. I, I love watching him play. Um, and it, it, he's going to be a, a, a favorite of mine all season. Uh, one note on Stanford. Uh, Cody Pugh actually didn't play. I don't know if he's injured or not. If you don't know who this kid is, he was a kid out of Maryland. Uh, a few years ago, and was, I think, rated the number one player in Maryland. And I kind of lost track of him when he went to Stanford, and I don't even think he played the other night. Big kid, 6'8", um, lanky, left-handed, I, I believe. And just his career just has not panned out the way I thought it was. Another player for Stanford, actually, that I like out of Georgia is Marcus, Sheff- Marcus Sheffield, who played 18 minutes in this game. And you know his game has just never developed. He, I always thought that he was a, you know, a stat a stat sheet stuffer, and he just, you know, he could have used some weight. He's he's still really thin. It's just, you know, it's too bad. These kids, I think these kids are really talented, both of them, and they just don't their their careers at Stanford just haven't seemed to to come together the way that I thought they were when I was watching them play at prep. All right, enough about that game. First game in Chapel Hill. Uh, people talk about Chapel Hill, the Wine and Cheese Club. Blah blah blah, I thought it was I thought it was a cool atmosphere. Um, it was it was larger than I anticipated. I mean, when I went into the Dean Dome, I, you know, I've gone to a game at McCamish, I've gone to a game at NC State. McCamish is obviously more intimate than both of those venues, but the Dean Dome is just massive. Um, and I haven't been to a lot of college facilities to take in games, but I, I was it was interesting. There's a lot of seats in that house, but I, I think that I think the uh, let's see, the architecture, I guess, of that building is more of a factor as to why it's not so loud or why it's not so crazy. You know, you get a McCamish, you get 5,000 people and they're jumping up and down. It's pretty crazy because it's a, it's a bowl. You're right on top of the court. Whereas there's seats in the Dean Dome where they kind of fade away from the court. It almost feels like you're in an arena, like the Carrier Dome or something like that. So, um, which I guess that, that's what it is. I mean, it's, it is the Dean Dome. It is a, it is a, you know, a facility meant for, I believe, probably multiple uses. Whereas McCamish is, you know, it's a basketball facility. That's that's what it is. So, <clears throat> anyway, I thought, you know, I, I've always thought that the the you, you, even watching UNC games on TV, you can tell that's that's a pretty cool atmosphere. Um, anyway, my first time, I'm definitely gonna go back. You know, I I'm, I like to watch good basketball, and I don't get a lot of that out of Atlanta lately. Uh, next game from the twelfth, which was Monday, uh, Troy at Pittsburgh. I like watching these these young teams that are supposed to be bad, like Pittsburgh, because I like to see some progression. You know, I can't watch Duke against Eastern Michigan. I just I, I can't do it. It's it's a forty point blowout. It's cool to see Zion do his acrobatic shit, and I will tune in sometimes to watch that. But after the game gets to forty and they're just out there fucking around, I don't want to see Vrankovic play. I don't care. You know, I don't I don't need to see Jack White out there. Uh, it just doesn't interest me. Now, you want to show... I did watch some of that Eastern Michigan game today while I was eating lunch at the, at the bar in Cary. Um, <laughs> some of the alley-oops those kids threw at each other. Zion actually threw an alley-oop to Barrett in this game. Well, I'll get to it in a minute. Anyway, Troy-Pittsburgh. I like to watch this play because uh, Troy uh, Pittsburgh's got some, some young kids that I think are going to be very good. Uh, mainly among them is Xavier Johnson. This kid can play some basketball. He's a, like a number 300 recruit that originally went to Nebraska. Uh, 15 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, only 3 turnovers in 37 minutes. You know, he came into the season with, uh, I think I predicted him to be a, like a defensive player. And, 
you know, he's just been so much more. He's playing lead guard. Trey McGowan's is playing off the ball. McGowan's actually starting to come into his own a little bit as well. He had 12 points and five assists in this game. Um, you know, I, I just, Jared Wilson frame continues to be awesome. It is the only way you can explain it. Continues to be awesome coming off the bench. He had 24 points again in this game. Um, he came in and I think he hit his first three triples that he attempted. It was incredible. He went six for 10, uh, played 30 minutes off the bench. I do like this Terrell Brown kid a lot. He had 12 points, five rebounds. I think he's their best big man. I don't know why Chuck Wooka keeps playing. He had 13 and six. I just, I just like the way Terrell Brown plays. Um, and I think as far as upside go, that's the guy. Uh, Box score, looking around, Pittsburgh, one thing that stands out to me, 20 assists on 30 made field goals. That's a number that you love to see. Only turned the ball over nine times. Now, Troy, Troy's nothing special, obviously, but, you know, as far as building kids' confidence and, uh, you know, getting them to play, they have bought into Jeff Capel's system. They play hard. And Pitt... Uh, I like what I've heard on some other podcasts. I don't know if Pitt's going to win a lot of games in the ACC, but I think Pitt's going to cover a lot of point spreads. They have good guard play when they figure out this front court situation. Um, you know, Chuck Wuka, you know, he's a good energy guy. He tries, okay? I think Terrell Brown's more talented. You know, they're probably going to play 20 and 20. You know what I mean? 20 minutes, 20 minutes. And we'll see what we get. Um, but I, this Pittsburgh team's going places, man. If they can get themselves... Uh, a good big man, either Acock, Acock, which it was he was announced today that uh, something came out that he might skip, uh, he might skip college and go directly to the NBA. That'd be a big deal. That hurt Syracuse because I think Syracuse was, is deep into the Acock, Acock uh, lottery. Uh, but if Pittsburgh can land Acock, Acock or Quadis Wahab or you know some of these other big guys, they're 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 rolling, baby. Uh, NC State at 100, UNC Asheville 49. NC State continues to play a garbage schedule early this year. Uh, they're at 44 to 22 at the half, 40.6% uh, offensive rebounding percentage. I mean, you don't win games like that. The biggest thing from this game was that Markel Johnson got hurt four minutes into the game. He was on the bench later on. Like I said earlier, Kevin Keats did say that it was not a concussion and that holding him out was precautionary. They think he's going to be fine, so I am not panicked. Because if Markel Johnson is out, I mean, I know that NC State has point guard depth. You don't replace Markel Johnson. Now, they don't need it against UNC Asheville because give me a break, but that's a big deal. I mean, the amount of talent that's missing out of the ACC right now is absolutely incredible. Landers Nolly, Ian Steer, Manny Bates, uh, Frank Howard. Uh... Who else? I just put it up on, on ACCBasketballReport.com. So go to ACC Basketball Report. Check that out. Uh, five players that are currently missing from ACC rosters that would be a decent starting five in any conference in the country. Uh, Miami 96, Stephen F. Austin 58. I watched this game because this Miami team intrigues me. And they did not disappoint. They come out, they shoot a ton of threes. They go, well, not a ton. They shot 23. Uh, they make 11 of them, though. Shoot almost 50% from deep. They were up by 21 at the half. I didn't watch a whole lot of the second half. You know, Anthony Lawrence, he had a double-double in the game before. This game, he doesn't quite hit the boards, but there were no boards really to be had because Ibuka Izundu, who is currently playing in place of Dewan Hernandez, who I don't think will ever play college basketball again. Um, I, I think that... And, and, <laughs> 
I, I mean, if you're Miami, just play him. What are the, what's the NCAA going to do? Are they going to make you vacate some wins? Who gives a shit? I, you know, eh, you know who won the NCAA championship in 2013? Louisville. You know how I know that? Because I watched the game. Who cares if they take the banner down? Who cares if they take the wins out of the record book? You know, who has some of the who has some of the most wins in NCAA history? Jim Beheim. Do I know how many? No. I know he vacated some, but I know he's also won a ton of games. The record book doesn't matter if you watch the games and you know basketball. The only thing the record book matters too is people who ask trivia questions at the bar. Okay? If you can't prove that Dewan Hernandez took money, play him. You know, make the NCAA punish you. Fuck it. And then I mean, look at look at UNC. Ah, they just told him to go get bent. Nothing happened. Nothing. They show caused the teacher who retired. Who gives a shit? Anyway, Zundu, 22 points, 19 rebounds, 19 rebounds, 11 of them on the offensive end, and he blocked four shots in 30 minutes. Imagine if he played 35 minutes. Holy shit. Uh, you know, Vasilovic, four threes. Anthony Lawrence didn't rebound the ball well, but didn't really need to, and not when somebody else is grabbing 19 rebounds. Uh, you know, this Dengak player uh, continues to intrigue me. He's got... Something. I just like the way he plays, like the way he rebounds. He's like a skinny kid with go-go gadget arms. It's crazy. But uh, this this team likes to get up and down. They like to shoot threes. They shoot a hell of a lot better than they did last year. They might not have as much star power, but I like the way they play. Likes is one of my favorite players in the conference. I just I love the the makeup of this. I like putting him in pick and roll situations. They're just they're a fun team to watch. And I you know I had him fifth in uh, my ACC power rankings last week. Sundays uh, on ACCBasketballReport.com and I release my top five in the ACC every Sunday. I'm going to try to do that. So look for that. <clears throat> All right. Speaking of teams that I am selling, Louisville um, hosted Southern the other day, which would be Tuesday. They beat them by 50. Nah, I don't care. Uh, they're at 49-22 at the half. I didn't watch a whole lot of this game. Was, I don't care. I don't care about Louisville and Southern. Um Jordan Ora, once again, didn't start, played 17 minutes, but did score 20 points, grabbed seven rebounds. Louisville had 63 points off the bench in this one. Again, these things don't really, I, I can't be impressed by this. I don't even know where Southern is. I mean, I assume it's below the Mason-Dixon line. It's probably east of Texas. I, I, I don't know. I don't even know where they are in the country, ge geographically. Um, I don't know. There's nothing I really want to say about this. Louisville is going to lose to Vermont this week. Write that down. I, I think that's going to be the eye-opening performance of the week. Is you know I called the I called Buffalo West Virginia. I called that game. Okay, Louisville's going to lose to Vermont. Write that down. Put some money on that shit. Now, if they if that doesn't happen and you lose money, well, whatever. You shouldn't listen to me. Moving on. G Tech goes to Knoxville. Georgia Tech becomes the first ACC school in the conference to lose a game on the season. Uh, up to this point, I believe the ACC had been 34-0, maybe 31-0, can't remember. Uh, Tennessee 66, G-Tech 53. G-Tech does cover the spread. Grant Williams came out. He's a monster, 22 points. I, do you have a double-double? I don't know. He was just dominant. I mean, he's the best player on the floor, and it, it was easy to see. He had 22-8, and eight, three assists. You know, Kyle Alexander played well. Admiral Schofield did not play well, but also impacted the game defensively. Had some blocks, uh, especially on uh, Kurt Haywood right, uh, right before the half. Had a, uh, a steal or two. You know, this is just a really good team that has been developed by Rick Barnes. He's got the, the right pieces that he can make into, into a winning program. And 
Georgia Tech's simply not a very good team right now. Um, three of 19 from deep. They got out-rebounded by 12. They had 30 fouls. They had, let's see, let's see, let's look at some box scores. Jose Alvarado fouled out. Uh, James Banks, who played 16 minutes, who was deemed immediately eligible that day, also had five fouls. Now, I don't really, the, you know, the Banks thing, hasn't played in a real game and who knows how long, so eh, I'm not, not real concerned. You know, three for 19 is concerning, okay? Um, Kurt Haywood only play in 15 minutes, that's concerning. Uh, you know, I do like the DeVoe kid, he had a rough night. It's just, it's going to be a long season in Atlanta, you know? It, it just really is. And it doesn't look like they have a whole lot coming in to help next year either. All right. Uh, on to last night. You know, Duke, Eastern Michigan, 84-46. You know, Duke stomps them. It was 48-13 to at the half. But, you know, these kids just, it, it's its like a damn, it's like watching Space Jam. You know, these kids just flying around, dunking the ball. Absolutely incredible. And for those of you who are listening who don't know what Space Jam is, damn it. Um, you know, like I said, let's see. Barrett, 20 points. Williamson, 21. Uh, you know, like I said, Reddish only played 12 minutes. He didn't play in the second half. Nicked up. But he seemed to be in good spirit, so I don't think it's anything too serious. Uh, you know, it's Duke at Cameron, hosting Eastern Michigan. You knew it was going to be... You know it was going to be a blow before they tipped the game. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Clemson uh, defends the home court. They hosted Sam Houston State last night. They win 74-59. to Sam Houston State actually hung with them in the first half. Clemson was only up two. You know, Marquise Reed, my boy, uh, doing his thing. Interesting here, Elijah Thomas didn't start last night. Javon White did. Now, White only played 13 minutes while Thomas played 25. So, who cares if you start as long as you finish? Marquise Reed, 26 points, five boards, three assists, two steals. Amir Sims, uh, 12 points, 8 boards, 3 assists, 2 blocks. The kid can play. All right, Three games into the season. Stamp of approval. This kid can play. Clemson I had at number 4 in my ACC Power Rankings last weekend. If, if Amir Sims is the kid that he is pretending to be right now, and I'm not saying he's pretending for sure, but I'm saying that if he really is this kid, then, uh, then Clemson's... You know, Clemson's got something, you know, now they're cooking with peanut oil, as they used to stay in my day. Um, I just, you know, going into the season, my one concern was who's going to step up. It's going to be Sims, going to be Tyson, Newman, Clyde Trapp. Uh, you know, this white kid, can David Scar give him some offense, which he, early on in the season, yes, he can. Um, Clemson's intriguing. You know, I, I they're still not going to beat you with scoring. They're a defense-first program, but it, it works for them, and they have a very good defensive perimeter. And this Javon White kid can play some interior defense as well, You know, backing up one of the best defensive centers in the league in Elijah Thomas. Now, they can't coexist. Unfortunately, I don't think you'll ever see him on the court at the same time unless, for some reason, Brownell goes zone, which I don't think he's going to do. They're, they're a man-to-man program for the most part. So... They did play some 2-3 zone in the game before the Sam Houston State game. When Javon White was in the game, they played a little 2-3. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's his shtick. But uh, for the most part, they're going to play man-to-man. They're going to let Sims and Shelton Mitchell and Marquise Reed jump out into the passing lanes and, and do their thing, get some easy buckets in transition. So Clemson, I was, I was selling a little bit prior to the season. I had him 8th. And they were starting to fade on me a little bit. I just, the more I looked at their roster, the more I wasn't sure. But, you know, they've come out with guns blazing. And I think this Clemson team is for real. They're, I don't, 
I don't know if they're going to be better than they were last year, but if they can shoot the ball consistently and if Mir Sims can rebound, I'm not worried about his shooting as, as much. Well, I'm not worried about his scoring, I should say, as much as I am about his rebounding. You can't just put Elijah Thomas on an island out there and expect him to grab every rebound, okay? He needs to rebound six, you know, you know, he needs five, six boards a game. And they're actually using him in press-breaking situations as well. So they trust him to handle the ball a little bit while Marquise Reed is, you know, 30 feet down court trying to make things happen when they're, when they're being pressed. So he's a weapon, and, you know, I've been impressed. All right. On to the disappointing kids of the week. You know, G-Tech was the first to lose this week, but that's not a disappointing loss. You know, nobody expected Georgia Tech to go to Knoxville and beat the number six team in the country in Tennessee. However, Boston College in Chestnut Hill should probably be IUPUI, okay? Um, <laughs> IUPUI goes to Chestnut Hill and wins 76-69. I have not watched this game yet, but I'm planning on it. Um, the stat that jumps out off the page immediately is 40.5% offensive rebounding percentage for IUPUI. IUPUI. They had 15 offensive rebounds in this game. Nick Popovich had three rebounds in 25 minutes. You fucking kidding me? Uh, Boston College shoots 19 of 29. That's the game right there from the free throw line. 19 of 29 from the free throw line. Nick Popovich, your starting center, can't grab defensive rebounds. Okay? Man, that's, that's the game. And, again, Winston Tabs not crazily efficient, plays 35 minutes, gets 15 points, outplaying his uh, fellow his fellow freshman, Jairus Hamilton. Um, and that's why I'm selling Boston College. They looked bad against St. Saint, uh, Francis, and then they actually lost at home to IUPUI. Okay? Jim Christian ain't going to get fired this year, but I'm putting him back in the basement. I don't even like Louisville. Right now, Louisville's better than Boston College. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, IUPUI, really? I don't care how good they are in whatever garbage conference that they're that they're playing in, the Horizon League. You know, you got to beat these teams if you want to be taken seriously. It's like G-Tech last year, losing to Grambling and Wright State. No one's going to take you seriously the rest of the year. I don't care that Josh Gogi wasn't there. I don't care that Tadger Jackson wasn't there. you got to beat those teams. You should beat them with your managers. Fuck. And, you know, this game, okay, Notre Dame in South Bend loses to Radford 63-60. to uh, You know, they come out, John Mooney's hot early. I think he hit five, five triples in the first 10 minutes. Uh, he had 24 points in this game. This is not a bad, it looks bad on paper, but Radford is a good team. Radford won 23 games last year. Radford uh, won the 16-seed playing game and played Villanova, who, hmm, won the national championship last year. At halftime of that game last year, Radford was getting killed. In the second half with Villanova, Radford played with them. Now, you know, Villanova probably, you know, put the dogs away. You know, you know what I mean? But that's, I don't care. Radford played with Villanova in the second half of that game last year. And they brought a lot of pieces back. This, uh, which kid am I looking for here? Ah, Caleb Tanner. Really good player. Um, uh, watching the first half while I was doing the, the write-up for tonight's show. Uh, you know, and, and Notre Dame's a young team. You know, we said this to begin. You know, I had him ninth. I had him sneaking into the tournament, um, getting past Dayton. Um, this is a young team. A lot of freshmen, a lot of, playing a lot of minutes. DJ Harvey, 
you know, played 19 games last year, but didn't didn't play a heavy load of minutes. You know, DJ Harvey big this year. Okay, uh, John Mooney is now uh, a starter, a star player for this program. He's never been that in his career. You know, Rex Fluger continues to struggle. Um, you know, Bray is never going to bench him, but he is he's having a hard time this year. I, I don't have his shooting percentages in front of me, but he has not been good this year. Um, Elijah Burns coming off maybe the best game of his career, 15-5. and five. The game of four scores zero points and grabs two rebounds in this game. Okay. Um, Laz didn't play well. Uh, I did say last Sunday on the on the podcast on the podcast that uh, DJ Harvey was going to start seeing more minutes, and I was wondering whose minutes he was going to eat. That was answered in haste or post haste. How do you say that? I don't know. But uh, Dane Goodwin two minutes yesterday. Uh, apparently, inefficiency will get you benched, especially when the guy you're competing against, which would be Robbie Carmody, plays exceptional perimeter defense, and. Carmody, you know, saw his minutes basically stay the same at 19 last night. Prentice Hub actually saw 27 minutes. Also played inefficiently. Uh, didn't turn the ball over last night, but, you know, one for six from the field in 27 minutes. It just it was, it was a bad performance by Notre Dame, and it was probably a learning situation. But Radford is, you know, Radford out of the Big South, that's not a bad team. Not, not by a long shot. I mean, I, they have a chance to be in the tournament again this year, I think. And... That's a that's a feather in their cap. Obviously, the Big South isn't going to be a two bid league or anything like that. But you know, Radford's going to have to win that postseason tournament. But you know, IUPUI winning in Chestnut Hill that's a big deal. Uh, Radford, uh, Radford going to South Bend and beating Notre Dame in the past it may have been a big deal, but not when uh, Notre Dame is starting a guy who was injured all of the second half last year, a guy who has never played the role that he's playing this year. Um. Elijah Burns, who was a kind of a bit player that just come on, coming off of his best game of his career, you know there's going to be some regression there. And then one, two, three, four guys off the bench for Notre Dame, all of them are freshmen. It's not a shock, okay? Um, all right, I got about 20 minutes to go before the tip-off for tonight's games. I'm going to go finish up the Notre Dame-Radford game and see exactly what happened. And then I'm going to watch some ball tonight. And tomorrow's Friday. Hope you guys have a fantastic end to your week. And tune in Sunday. Go to accbasketballreport.com for some content. I put up a couple things yesterday. I'm going to put up some more stuff this weekend. Um, I'm going to do the Power 5 this weekend as well. And look for the podcast to come out Sunday morning as I review all the games from Thursday, Friday, Saturday evening. And it's just going to be another fun weekend, fellas. You know, I got G-Tech and ECU this time tomorrow night. Uh, Notre Dame, I'm not sure. But don't forget, accbasketballreport.com for content, slapthesign.com for Notre Dame content, uh, gtswarm.com for game previews and post-game thoughts on Georgia Tech if there's any fans left. Uh, What else? Everything else, recruiting news, stuff like that around the ACC, you know where to go for that. Don't forget to like, rate, review, share, retweet, do whatever you got to do, people. Get the word out. I'm seeing more subscribers, which I'm thankful for. Thank you guys for joining me. The numbers are creeping up. Uh, this At this point, about over the last three months, I've, listenership has gone up probably 17 to 20% as far as the monthly numbers. So we're picking up steam. Um, you know, We're slowly making this thing what, what I want to make it. And I was actually looking at some numbers the other day. They're actually pretty comparable to some of the national shows on Podbean. So 
Pretty happy about that. Pretty psyched about that. You guys are awesome. I'm Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report. I'll see you on Sunday.